Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwins and the show. The Lakers get back to winning. They wind up getting the split with the Chicago Bulls over this, you know, kind of home and home situation. Anthony Davis plays great. LeBron plays great. Austin Reeves plays great. D'Angelo Russell plays great. Jared Vanderbilt plays great. You sensing a trend here? The Lakers unveiled a fully healthy starting lineup of... D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, LeBron James, Jared Vanderbilt, and Anthony Davis. And they looked like world beaters in that first quarter, jumping out to a 17-point lead that was quickly squandered by an all-bench unit of, and does it even matter? I guess it would have been uh, Dennis Schroeder. It would have been Troy Brown. Malik Beasley was involved somewhere in there. Uh, Wayne Gabriel was involved. And uh, I guess... Rui Hachimura was was in the game instead of Lonnie Walker as the adjustment from last game against Chicago where Rui didn't play uh, and and Lonnie Walker got those bench minutes this time it was Rui but that all bench unit you know was really pretty bad I, you, the Lakers won this one handily they were up by double digits for most of the game just look at the the plus minuses here and and again the rule to always kind of keep in mind in my opinion is always if you won by, in this case, 11 points, pluses, plus minuses that are uh, above that 11-point total are notable. And, and obviously, anything noticeably in, in, the, in the negative here, when you win by that much, uh, not great signs. So the, the starters, right? And some of this is kind of like Anthony Davis's numbers were kind of weighed down by garbage time, but he's a plus 16 in a game that the Lakers won by 11. Jared Vanderbilt was a plus 11. LeBron James was a plus 23. Uh, Austin Reeves was a plus 28. D'Angelo Russell was in an astonishing plus 35. Great game on, on his part here. 7 of 12 from the field, 17 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds, uh, 2 of 4 from 3-point range. Just a nice in-control game where at, whenever he was kind of on the court, the, the, the flow of the game just seemed to make more sense. Let's look at the bench unit then. Malik Beasley, a minus 20. One of his, probably his worst game, honestly, as a Laker to this point. Dennis Schroeder, minus 14. He was really bad. Rui Hachimura, minus 7. Winning Gabriel, minus 3. Uh, Troy Brown Jr., minus 6. He was really bad tonight. And that group was just, you know, it was killer, you know, for, for, for what the Lakers need from that group. And, you know, here in a little bit, we'll talk uh, about how to maybe avoid that disparity of, of bench unit to starting unit caliber. But at the end of the day, also, uh, like th this is on Ham, obviously, 
the, the, the biggest head-scratcher moment of the game was in the third quarter when Ham brought four bench players into the game all at the same time. And immediately that lead, which I believe ballooned up to 16, dropped all the way down to into well into single digits. And like the only people surprised by it was <laughs> was the coaching staff, apparently. So you have like just kind of bad coaching on that part. And then also like even while it's it's a bad unit, it's a bad rotation there and and, and bad thought process from the, the coaching staff the players do have to play better. Like Troy Brown Jr., he gets into the game, and the first shot that he takes is this off-the-dribble step-back three-pointer contested from like a few feet behind the three-point line. That's not how you set a tone for your game. That's not how you get it going. Uh, Malik Beasley, and and, and I also want to be careful here with, with Beasley because he clearly has other stuff going on. He, uh, on Instagram, posted a picture of his father-in-law who was apparently dealing with some health issues. So I'm not really going to be too hard on him. I, it might be better for him to just kind of step away while he deals with that. But yeah, I, he was really bad. Some really bad turnovers. Didn't really get it going. Uh, the, the Lakers' second unit never really got into any real sets. And I think that's what you need with Beasley. Uh, again, more on on his role and and some of the the roles that kind of make a little bit more sense there. Uh, but you know, Wayne and Gabriel was was just kind of there, but he wasn't. Uh, he not really a physical presence for him out there. Rui Hachimura was okay. Like of the bench players, I thought he was one of the better ones. Uh, but even still, just kind of you know pedestrian, I guess. Uh, and and yeah, and, and Dennis Ruder. Look, with that second group, uh, it is kind of on him to make sure that they get into and stay in a rhythm offensively, and he just did none of that. He was really bad, I thought, in in managing the game. And, you know, to a certain extent, that, again, falls back on him. And, and, and we'll talk more, again, about rotations here in a bit. But, yeah, I, I just, you know, the, the, the I think the biggest story of the game here I think the Lakers found their best five-man unit. I think they they have, whether it starts the game or not, uh, I think the the biggest moments of, of their games here moving forward, the group that needs to be on the court when it's time to, to go on a run, that has to be that group of uh, Russell, Reeves, LeBron, Vanderbilt, and Davis. You have the switchability up front, with AD, Vanderbilt, and James, even if they don't really switch much on defense, uh, you have D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, and LeBron James to set the tone offensively. You have shooting out there with Russell and Reeves, and occasionally uh, LeBron. Interestingly, tonight, in that first quarter, he said he hit a uh, in-rhythm catch-and-shoot three-pointer off of an Austin Reeves skip pass, and that was as clean as that has looked honestly since he got to LA he's not really a catch and shoot threat that's not how he prefers to do it but in that one you know he caught it on kind of a hop uh, got right into rhythm and and released it without hesitation and if that if that unit is going to make sense and then also it helped that Jared Vanderbilt knocked down a couple three pointers if if those two things are happening you just aren't going to defend the Lakers that's just that that unit is too creative. There are too many hammers and nails in that group. 
to to stop them from doing what they want offensively if you have especially LeBron and and Vanderbilt knocking down catch and shoot three pointers like there's just nothing that can be done about that group so on the plus side knowing now I think definitively that that is going to be your best lineup moving forward is great to know like I think that is you know what they what they're going to be doing here over the last handful of games as they get ready for the play-in and eventually the playoffs is kind of checking off boxes in terms of the rotation uh, to see like, you know, which groups need to be out there and when. And I think right now, Darvin Ham and and his uh, coaching staff can definitively and confidently say, all right, that's, that's our best group right there. That's where we are going to, to, to kind of lay the foundation early in the game or, or, you know, that's the group that we're really going to lean on, when we absolutely have to have our best group out there. On the negative side of that, though, on, on the on the less optimistic side of that is, all right, you have that group, but that also doesn't leave much in terms of creativity and, and, and shooting uh, that you need out there for the other parts of the game. And I think that's what the Lakers really kind of ran into tonight. So let's, I guess, have a quick conversation about how they can stagger these guys in a way that keeps you know some rules I guess to abide if if you are building out this rotation. We've done this before in terms of rules uh, and and I think it it has kind of laid the groundwork for rotations that made as much sense as they could back when uh, Russell Westbrook was was on the team. but in this case, all right, so if that is your best group if if Russell Reeves, LeBron, Vanderbilt, AD, if that's your best group, two of those guys need to be on the court at all times, at least uh, two of those guys. And specifically, at least one of LeBron, Reeves, and Russell need to be out there at all times. And and yeah, that doesn't mean that Schroeder's minutes go away. Schroeder can play with any one of those three guys. But uh, to have minutes where it's just Schroeder and those three guys are sitting... I think is is not something that Darvin Ham can continue to do, and uh, it'll be interesting to see his his kind of comments after the game on on that front, and and if he kind of regrets the all bench lineups as as he was using them before. Uh, that said, if if you want to if you want to get those guys out there or have two of those guys out there at all times, um, and still have that group together for the biggest minutes of the game, you don't have to start Reeves. You can start. I, I still think I would give Beasley a shot here. I know that he's been playing really poorly. I do think some of the off-court stuff that he's currently going with, going through is affecting him. And I do think that moving to the bench was probably really bad for his game. He needs not just one table setter, but an elite table setter and maybe another secondary creator so that he doesn't become that secondary creator. That's not his game at all. He needs to run off screens. He needs to provide space and he needs to be able to be hidden on defense. And that's something that you can do with him out there with the starters. Um, And then again, like just because that group is starting, you can always finish games with Reeves in Beasley's place. uh, Because again, I I do think that is going to be their best lineup here moving forward. So if it's Beasley, if it's Brown, one of those two guys I think needs to be in that starting group with Reeves coming, coming off of the bench and playing alongside Schroeder. Uh, to, to have two creators out there with that second unit. 
Uh, either that or they're going to have to m- remove, I think, a player from the rotation and have Reeves spend more time or, or Reeves or Russell or or LeBron spend more time with that second unit because the those minutes, it was bad against Chicago uh, two games ago. It was bad last night. Uh, I think it's going to continue to be bad. And, and you know, it's 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 fairly simple and it's it's pretty self-explanatory. It's really obvious uh, when those guys are out there that that group just isn't going to work. So let's try to avoid it. The second rule that I would say that they need to have out there is, uh, you know, one of LeBron or AD needs to be on the court. You know, and, and I get it here at the end of the season. They're trying to save some of their legs. And they're trying to limit some of the minutes as they get ready for what is going to be a very grueling playoff run. If if uh, you know they get into the play-in, and then you go from the play-in and immediately go up against a a top two seed, it is going to be really difficult for for uh, for both LeBron and AD to get through uh, the playoffs healthy. Here, both of them have been dinged up all year, so I get the insistence on on watching their minutes here as the season, the regular season comes to an end. But you also make it that much more difficult on them when if they, if they spend very little time uh, staggered in their minutes over the course of a game, it makes it that much more important that those lineups really do work when both of them are out there. And it makes them have to play that much harder to, you know, either fight to get back into the game or to rebuild a lead or whatever, uh, you're putting a lot of pressure on those lineups to always be good if you aren't going to stagger those guys because the the lineups without one of those two haven't had enough time to gel and figure things out and, and be productive in ways that they have to be in order to feel comfortable while both of them are sitting. The third rule, man, I I know this is this is probably going to be uh, kind of difficult to to pull off here or whatever. Let's just go 48 minutes of the first five. Who said that? That is, come on. Let's be realistic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we move on to some stuff ha- uh, happening around the league, I do really quickly want to put some attention or, or or pay some attention to the most important, by far, moment of the game. And that was when Austin Reeves did the two small sign to Patrick Beverly, who these stats are incredible. After the way he acted at you know, the last game, uh, Patrick Beverly finishes the night, zero points, zero five from the field, zero five from three-point range. A minus 32 on the night, and uh, his night gets wrapped up with Austin Reeves calling him too small, doing giving him a dose of his own medicine. Look, I get why a game ago Patrick Beverly would talk all the shit that he did. Um, although I would maybe you know offer some notes on on his retelling of the events. 
uh, in that, you know, he's making it sound like he was the victim throughout all of that. And, and there was nothing he could have done to, to, to make the situation around him better. You know, you could have shot a little better at the beginning of the year, and that would have made it so that the Lakers wouldn't be in the hole that they're currently in. Uh, but that would take self-awareness, and I don't think that's something Patrick Beverly has in droves. Uh, but yeah, I get, you know, I it, it seemed to me throughout both of these last two games that the Lakers nor Patrick Beverly like really seemed to, you know, fuck with each other all that much. Like they, they usually, like after the game, and yeah, like Caruso won a championship with AD and, and obviously that relationship is going to be very different as a result of that. But you look at the way that they kind of, it was actually, you know, it brought a tear to my eye, <laughs> but you look at the lack of interaction between Beverly and the rest of the Lakers out there. And, and yeah, I mean, it's been said, you know, obviously the thing that everybody pays a lot of attention to were the, the, the vampire reports about Russell Westbrook, but I, it, something, a lot, honestly, was broken in that locker room before the trade deadline. There were too many guards and, and that type of competition where it, the vast, the majority of the people in that locker room are going to be upset because they, they're either playing out of position or they aren't playing as much as they feel like they have to. Or in Beverly's case, he felt like he wasn't heard in that locker room. Like There was a lot going on and not very much of it very good. And, and you can just kind of see, you know, the, the, the way that everybody has interacted with, with Beverly since. And, and sure, it doesn't really help that Beverly has, has spent every moment he possibly can uh, talking a little bit of shit on his, on his podcast about his time as a Laker. Uh, and, and you know what? Kudos to him because that's, you know, getting traded by the Lakers is probably the best thing for that podcast. But Still, it is going to have an effect on the teammates that you are saying those things about, and the the culture that you are saying those things about, and you kind of saw it. And I, 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 Austin Reeves is is I I think people like to think of him as this like quiet, humble kid. We've seen him go nose to nose with with uh, Josh Green earlier this year. You you aren't the kind of you you don't have the amount of success that he's had in the two years that he's been in the league without being, you know kind of nasty being willing to to mix things up a little bit talk a little bit of shit uh so it, it didn't exactly shock me that that he would do that but it is kind of funny to see some dude with a farmer's tan and 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 almost no tricep uh definition doing the too small thing uh i i found it great i i i was annoyed at patrick Beverly talking his shit but i get it and that's that's kind of the uh, same kind of thing with austin reeves patrick beverly kind of came from nothing and, and made and carved out a really good career for himself. And same thing, like you, you don't do that without having uh, to, 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 you know, kind of utilize the meme. Uh, you don't, you don't have that amount of success for both of those guys without that dog in you. And, and yeah, I, I think Patrick Beverly talking his shit the other night, fair play, even though it annoyed me because of course, Patrick Beverly annoys. He's done that in his entire career. And, Austin Reeves turning around and doing it right back. Also fair play. It's all fun. Another kind of small moment in the game that, uh, you know, I really kind of stuck out to me also involving Patrick Beverly was the hard foul that he committed on LeBron. It wasn't considered flagrant. I, I agree with the, it not being considered flagrant. I think it was a hard foul. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to call it dirty either, but 
what the Lakers kind of lack in, in that, that championship team a couple of years had it from a few players, right? Whether it was uh, Dwight, whether it was Boogie, whether it was Markeith Morris, like that team had a lot of nastiness to them. And, and it, you know, if, if they didn't like something that happened on the court to LeBron or AD, they made it known in one way or the other. And for Patrick Beverly to commit that foul and nobody step to him at all and, and say like, hey, man, what the, f-, you know, you, you can't have that. Like, so I, I think uh, that isn't something that just kind of, it's the kind of thing that, you know, you have to have a certain type of player, a certain type of attitude to, to make it known that that isn't okay. But I was hoping to see somebody kind of give Beverly a shove and say like that, you know, you know, you know firsthand all of the things that LeBron has been dealing with physically over the course of the year. This game is just a random game on a, a Wednesday in March as everybody is fighting and scratching and clawing to get to the end of the, the, the regular season, but still do so healthily. Uh, to, to, to pull that shit there in, in that way for a player, you know, on a player who is taking off on, on one foot there and, and thus having that much less balance, you know, I, I was hoping to see some Lakers step up and say like that, that's not going to fly here. And I don't think that this roster necessarily has anybody willing to do that. Um, and, and I, I, I do kind of think that's something that this team is kind of lacking and, and I'm hoping that it doesn't really come up again, but yeah, in that moment, AD was the person closest to to Beverly there. He's not going to do it because that's not what you want AD doing. But I, you know, we're, whether it's Vanderbilt or, or or Rui, and it's not in either of their natures. I don't think to do that. But but somebody has to say like, that's not all right. That's not going to happen. You do that again, and I'm kicking your ass. But hey, the Lakers got to win. They sit right now at 38 and 38. Uh, the Mavericks lost. The Thunder won. Uh, so you look around the standings, and and you know some work was done to help the Lakers here. The Mavericks might fall out of this thing altogether and stay out of this thing altogether, which is pretty astounding given what they gave up to get uh, to to get Kyrie Irving. Yeah, the Mavs right now are in the 11 spot. Uh, Utah, who I believe won. Yeah, Utah beat San Antonio. THT had a huge night. Uh, Utah right there behind Dallas. But OKC loses. They have 39 losses. Uh, the Pelicans lost the other night to Golden State. They, with the Lakers, uh, have 38 losses. Minnesota playing right now against Phoenix. And as I am recording, uh, are are in, yeah, it's 49-47. So it's a close game. So... We'll see how that thing turns out and where things kind of stand here. If Minnesota loses, the Lakers would be a half game back of the uh, of the seven spot. They sit right now at eighth, and and yeah, they're you know thirty eight and thirty eight. That's seventy six games. Only a handful of games left here as this regular season comes to its close. And you know, hopefully here, uh, Darvin Ham will kind of figure out a rotation that group that started tonight's game, I would imagine they're going to continue to start because Darwin isn't going to tweak a starting lineup off of a win, but we'll see. We'll see. And and, and if he isn't going to tweak it, 
then you know maybe you cut somebody's roll down so that you can stagger things a little bit better. Um, but the number one priority, obviously, uh, beyond finding these rotations and these lineups and combinations that make the most sense, is to stay healthy and and to secure the best seed that they possibly can. I don't think the sixth seed is really in play here. Uh, it would require Golden State to to lose you know, three times in the, you know, compared to the Lakers here, uh, they, the Lakers would essentially have to pick up two games on them, I believe because of tiebreaker stuff. Uh, Minnesota, I believe also has a tiebreaker on them. So the Lakers would have to win out in order to, to jump up to that six spot. And who knows, maybe they're able to do it, but, but as it stands right now, you need to at least, I think, stay in that seven, eight spot and, and make it so that one win gets you into the playoffs and you also have that margin for error in case you lose that first play-in game. Um, we'll see how this thing goes. We'll see how the, the, the Phoenix Suns and, and Minnesota Timberwolves game turns out. Um, and, and we'll continue to update that as, as things kind of fall as they do. That is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. If you guys uh, you know want more on some of the macro stuff that I brought up throughout this podcast make sure you check out the conversation that i had which should be up on the feed here um around the same time as as the uh as this episode i spoke to kyle goon who is leaving the lakers beat and moving on to another really cool opportunity um he and i talked about his time with the lakers on on the lakers beat um what that was like the 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 moments that really kind of let him know oh this is a little bit different here and also looked ahead to what the Lakers might look like here based on his experiences and the amount of confidence he has in them uh, from, from, from what he has, has found out in his time on the beat. So really fun conversation there. That's right here on this very feed. Hit that subscribe button, rate, review, get your five-star questions in for Sunday mailbags, all of that good stuff. And until I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.